Okay, so today's daf is Lamed Vav in Yoma. We are on Lamed Hey Amud Bet. We are at the bottom of the Amud, at the new Mishnah, Balo Etzel Paro. We, the first korban that the, uh, that the uh, Kohen Gadol has to deal with once he changes into the white garments is he deals with his own paro because one of his offerings is his, his bull, the bull, the parachatat asherlo. It says uh, the, the, uh, the bull of chatat, uh, which belongs to the Kohen Gadol and is on behalf of himself and the Kohanim. So he comes to his parah. So we remember the outline or sort of the uh, the layout of the uh, of the Beit Hamikdash. When a person walks in, they're walking due west, not due east. They're walking due west from the entrance, and the first thing they have is the area where the non Kohanim stand, and then they come to the area where the Kohanim only are allowed to, and then they come to the mizbeach, and then there's a space between the mizbeach and what's called the ulam and the Kodesh HaKodeshim, the, the, the Ulam, the Kodesh, and the Kodesh HaKodeshim, which are the parts that are actually under a roof. The rest of the uh, Beit HaMikdash is under the open sky. So when it talks about when it says Bena Ulam Mizbeach, that means on the other side of the Mizbeach, between the space of the, where the Mizbeach is and the, uh, the Ulam, which is the chamber that is actually roofed, the roofed part of the Beit HaMikdash that contains the Ulam, which is an antechamber sort of space, and the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKodeshim. So it's like in that space. So it's to the west, towards the western side, and the northern side, of course, of the Beit Hamikdash is where this is going to take place. The head faces south. Now, remember, when you're facing the Kodesh Kodeshim, you're facing west. So that means to your. So that means that you are. Uh, if you are facing south, so that would mean if you're facing Kodesh Kodeshim, that's to your left. But the face of the actual Korban is facing to the west, which the Gemara is going to explain that even though its body is situated on the uh, on a north-south direction, but the head is turned towards the west, towards the Kodesh Kodeshim, and the Kohen would stand on the, to the east. And his face is facing the west, which is towards the Kodesh Kodeshim. And then he would place his two hands on this Korban, and he would recite the Vidui, he would recite the um, the confession. And we're familiar with these confessions from the Seder Avodah that we read on Yom Kippur, even though we're going to see that there are some differences of opinion in how they should be said, which uh, you'll be able to tell which one we follow based on our exper- uh, your experience with the machzor. But and this is Rabbi Meir's version. Please Hashem, So not exactly what we say, but something similar. Three different words for sinning. The Gemara will explain what the difference is. We know chatati means by accident. Aviti usually means bizadon, something done on purpose. And avit and pashati usually means rebellion before you. Aniu beti, I and my family. Ana Hashem, please Hashem, kaperna lavonot velapshaim velachataim, shaviti vishapashati vishachatati lefanecha niobeti. Please Hashem, forgive or atone for all of the different sins that I've committed before you, I, and my family. And again, referring to the three kinds of sins. Aviti meaning a purposeful, something that was done on purpose, willful sin, Pashati being a rebellion, Chatati being a mistake. As is written in the Torah of Moshe, your servant, right? We know this from the Machzor, of course. The Gemara is going to elaborate, and the future Mishnayot they're going to elaborate. And we know everyone falls down. Whoever was in the Azara and heard the name of Hashem said, the Gemara is going to, the Mishnah and the Gemara are going to go into more detail with this, but, um, this was the uh, the response of the people who heard the vidui, the people who heard the confession, not the, the confession itself, but to the uh, saying of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, uh, pronounced as it is actually written, and uh, 
and, and that was why they fell on the on the floor. If you notice, uh, one of the things that you know, we we also say when we say the Shema. The, it's important to know that the right place to put the commas because many people say it wrong. They say Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Leolam Vayed. They think you put every two words together, but it's actually Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto Leolam Vayed. That's the correct punctuation. The Shem Kevod Malchuto is supposed to go together. If you look at a good Sidur, a good modern Sidur that puts very correct, accurate punctuation and, uh, and Nikud, you will see that that's how they have it. They always have a comma after the word Baruch. So it's Baruch, Shem Kevod Malchuto. Blessed is the name of the glory of his kingdom. Olam Vayed. That's what it's supposed to be. Not Baruch, but not Baruch Shem Kevod. A lot of the people say Baruch Shem Kevod Malchuto. I don't know, but they put it in the wrong place. Uh, I don't want to put the wrong idea in your head, but whatever the wrong thing is that people say, ignore that. Do the right way. Baruch Shem Kavod Malchutol Avayz. Okay. Now the Gemara says, "Man Shamat Leid Amar Ben Aulam Vela Mizbech Tzafon." So who is the one who says that Ben Aulam Vela Mizbech Tzafon? Because you have to think of it this way: the Torah tells us that any time you have Kodesh Kodeshim, any Kodesh Kodeshim, including any Chatat, has to be slaughtered on the northern side of the Bet Hamikdash. Now, the, but it also says Al Yerach Hamizbech. It has to be next to the Mizbech. So you might think the literal rendering of that, the literal meaning of Tzafona. That has to be by the side of the Mizbech to the north would be that you're standing to the north of the Mizbech. Now, if you come into the Bet HaMikdash, the first section, there's no Mizbech yet. Okay, you're walking for a while, there's no Mizbech yet. For 22 Amot, there's no Mizbech. You come to the Mizbech. Then after the Mizbech, there's a space. And then there's the Ulam, the Kodesh, and the Kodesh, the Kodesh. So you would think, well, what does it mean to the north next to the Mizbech? It means to the north of the Mizbech. The Mizbech is kind of like in the middle of the courtyard. And you would be to the north of it so that it would be next to you. Right, that space that's taken up by the Mizbech itself, in other words, to the north of that, but you're actually to, next to the Mizbech. That's what you would think. But our Mishnah is saying, no, it's no, Ben Aulam the Mizbech, which actually means further west, past the Mizbech, in the space between the Mizbech and the Ulam, is where you can, where this uh, animal was slaughtered. Which means you don't have to be right next to the Mizbech. You actually pass the Mizbech. So if you're walking along, even if you're walking along and you're to the north side, you're walking along, you go past the Mizbech. And now there's an area where there would be nothing to your left, right? Because you already passed the Mizbech, and you could, and that's where they would do it. So you're not technically right next to it. So who is the one who says that's still considered tzafot, right? So, so, uh, so that's actually only Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimoni, the Tanya is tzafot mikir shel Mizbech tzafoni. It's only from the northern wall of the Mizbech v'ad kotel hazara until the wall of the courtyard. Uken neged kol Mizbech kulot tzafon. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda takes Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda takes it literally that the only space where you can offer a korban that's supposed to be to the north of the Mizbech is literally to the north of the Mizbech. Meaning, if you come into the, uh, to the Beit HaMikdash, you go to the, your right, okay? You're going on the north side. You're walking along the north side. In the beginning, obviously, you're not next to the Mizbech yet. Now you come next to the Mizbech. As long as you can see the Mizbech on your left side, you're in the right area. But once you pass it, you can't do it. It has to literally be only in that space, which is, ne- you know, it has to be literally uh, next to the Mizbech. Otherwise, it's no good. According to Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi he says you can go even further. In other words, you can't do it earlier. Up when you haven't come to the Mizbech yet, you can't slaughter the Korban, the, the, any Kodesh Kodeshim there. But once you pass the Mizbech, in other words, if you're walking along the northern side of the, of the Beit HaMikdash, of the, of the courtyard, and, you pa- and you're up to the Mizbech, so definitely if you see the Mizbech to your left, that means you're still in a good territory. But even if you go past, it's also good. Up to when you get to the Ulam, to the Kodesh. Right? So, Rabbi, Rabbi Udanasi includes even the parts that are the northern half of the, of the courtyard that are before the Mizbech. 
meaning the place where the Drisat the, Ragle uh, Israel is the first 11 Amot in where the Jew, regular Jews are allowed to go, and then the section where only Kohanim are allowed to go, but before them is Be'ach, right? So, in other words, according to Rabbi, if you're standing to, if you come to the Beit HaMikdash and you go to the northern side, walking along that northern side, the whole area. The whole area is good, as long as if you were to draw a line, you would be to the north of where the Mizbeach is, right? Theoretically, you would draw an imaginary line down, you'd be to the north of that. You're good, you walk around the entire north. Before the Mizbeach, also good. Mizbeach is to your left, also good. Past the Mizbeach, also good. The only thing is, But if you go past the Ulam, if you go around, in other words, if you pass where that bi- the building is of the Beit HaMikdash, right, where the actual building is, so then there's an area around the side where they would do other kinds, they would have the Khalifot, they would have the knives and other kinds of things that they would store there. Once you get past that Ulam area, you get past the, uh, the Kodesh, so uh, even though you're to the north, that area isn't included. So that's the limit according to everybody, right? So Lema Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimoni, Velo Rabbi. So our Mishnah sounds like it follows Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon because if it were Rabbi, he should say that the entire northern side of the Beit Hamikdash is good. Our Mishnah is saying no, that they would do it. That where would the Kohen Gadol do this offering? So definitely between the Mizbeach and the wall, for sure, everybody agrees that's good. Everyone agrees that that's good because that's to the north and it's to the north and it's on the side of the Mizbeach. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon is the one that says you can go even further towards the Kodesh as long as you're still to the north. Right? That, and that's Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon and not Rabbi because if it were Rabbi, then he should be able to do it all the way on the other side too. The eastern side to the north is also good according to Rabbi. Right, the eastern side of the Beit Hamikdash. The only place that everyone agrees is no good is the western, like meaning really the western side of the of the Beit Hamikdash to the north. So if you know, you could say Afilu Teimar Rabbi, Rabbi Hashtad Adu Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda Mosif, Adu Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon Lo Mosif. If Rabbi holds, if he's adding on to what Rabbi Yehuda, to what uh, uh, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda says, in other words, he says not only the part that's next to the Mizbech literally is good, but also the part that is even further east, so definitely he's adding on to Rabbi Elizabeth Rabbi Shimon. In other words, he would agree with every opinion before his. He's adding on to the opinions. So the first opinion was only right next to the Mizbeach. Second opinion was further west is also good. Rabbi says even further east. So the whole section should be good according to, according to Rabbi. Right? Uh, so so why, why wouldn't, in other words, what the Mishnah says should be good according to Rabbi for sure. Because it's good according to Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon, and also Rabbi would agree that it's good. Why are you saying it's only Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon? The answer is If it's Rabbi, so why does it have to be so far west? In other words, if our Mishnah was following the, uh, if we were following the position of Rabbi in the Mishnah, so he should have said anything to the northern side is good, basically up to the ulam, up to the roofed part of the Beit Hamikdash, it's all good. So why would he specifically say it has to be between the Mizbeach and the uh, and the Hechal? Why would it have to be there? So it says, Elamai, Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon, he... It must be because it's Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon. Because Rabbi Elazar Rabbi Shimon would say that further east is no good. East of the Mizbeach is no good. Only from the Mizbeach to the west is good. And that's why it mentions to the west of the Mizbeach, to the, no- to the northwest of the Mizbeach. But it says, ben So why then? But everybody agrees, meaning all three opinions agree, that if you are right next to the Mizbeach, Right, you're walking along the northern side, and to your left, you literally see the mizbech. Everybody agrees that's good. So why don't we just do it there? Why does he have to go further west? What's the benefit of going further west? The answer is the benefit is because Right, 
right? We don't want to trouble the Kohen Gadol. He having to walk around too much. What's he going to do with the blood from this Korban? He's going to take it into the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim. So we don't want him to have to walk around so much. It's easier for him to take the blood right there and walk into the Kodesh with that blood from that, uh, from that Korban. So we'd rather do it no, next to the Echal, right? So if that's true, if we're doing it for convenience of the Kohen Gadol, so then the Rebbe Nami Mishum Chulshad the Kohen Gadol, then it could be that it's Rebbe's opinion too. Meaning anybody except for Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda says you need to be able to literally see the Mizbech right next to you when you're, when you're doing a Kodesh Kodeshim Korban. So it wouldn't work for him. But both Rabbi and Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon would recommend doing it closer to the Hechal in this case because since they both agree that you're allowed to go further west, everyone agrees you're allowed to go further west except Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda. So what they did it in order to make less walking for the Kohen Gadol because he's very tired. Okay? So, and he has a lot to do. So, they want it to be economical with the time and the energy of the Kohen Gadol. So, they put it closer to the Kodesh Kodeshim in that case. But in, the, but in theory, according to Rabbi, you could have the entire north side. And according to Rabbi Elizabeth Rabbi Shimon, for sure, you could go next to the Mizbeach if you want to do that. Wouldn't be any worse. But since we're looking for practicality here, we make it closer. So, it could be either according to Rabbi or Rabbi Elizabeth Rabbi Shimon in that case. Now, it says, We have the animal's body. His head is facing south, but his head is turned. His face is turned to the west. So, so how do you do that? I mean, what are you doing with it? He's playing Twister here. Amarav, Rav says, but uh, it should say, uh, it should say uh, Rav Kahana, according to the side. We twist his head, basically. We turn his head to, you know, so that even though his head, even though his body is facing south, Okay, but we turn his head to the right, so he's facing towards the Kodesh Kodeshim. Why can't we face him directly west if we're going to face him west anyway? Because maybe he's going to, uh, you know, do his business uh, right there. And if he's facing east, it's going to be facing right towards the Mizbeach. We don't want that, so we'll face to the side. At least it's less disrespectful if something, you know, if something like that happens. How does a person do smicha? Now, this is not necessarily talking about the uh, uh, the uh, Yom Kippur. This is talking about in general. When a person does smicha on any korban that they bring, how do they do it? Omed with tzafon. A person stands to the north. Upanav um, marav And... He faces west. In other words, they, they take, the, you always have to take the korban to the north of the Mizbech if it's Kodesh or Kodeshim, right? So if it's Kodesh Kodeshim, it has to be that way. But the front of the animal, it has to face towards the, uh, towards the, uh, towards the west, okay? Now, um, and now normally, so in this case, you see, it doesn't mention that they had to twist his head. Why not? Because here, normally, they wouldn't bring the korban all the way to that section of the Beit HaMikdash where the rear of the animal would be facing the Mizbech. Right with on Yom Kippur, where the rear of the animal, if you turned him west east, his his tush is facing the mizbeach, and if he does something, it's going to be right towards the mizbeach. We don't want that, so we turn him sideways, and we turn just his head. But a regular case of let's say a chatat or ola that's being brought that has to also be to the north, it's not going to be right. In, it's not going to have the back. Your back is not going to be to the mizbeach, so you could face him west east, and it won't be facing directly towards the mizbeach. In in that case, so they would face him west east on the northern side. And the somech, the person leaning, would stand to the east, so he's behind the animal basically. Um, and the marav, and he's facing the west. He places his two hands on the head between the horns of the animal. There shouldn't be anything in between him and the korban, meaning there shouldn't be any chatzitza, any interruption. His hands should be directly on the animal when he leans on the animal with his weight. 
Avon Khatat. If it's a Khatat, he, he has to confess the sin of the, whatever the sin is for the Khatat. Val Asham, Avon Asham. If it's an Asham, the sin, the, whatever sin it was, is bring Asham. Val Ola, Avon, Leket Shechau Pe'ah, Umaser Anin. So according to Rabbi Yosef Aglili, if a person is bringing the Korban Ola, he should, he should uh, confess on that any sins related to Tzedakah, basically, that he didn't bring, that he didn't do. Leket Shechau Pe'ah. These are the different uh, produce that you're supposed to leave in your field in order for the poor people to pick up. So he's saying that's what the Korban, when you bring the Korban Olah, you should confess those sins over it. Okay? Now, we'll see the details of why, why exactly he says that or, or why not. But the, now, interestingly, you know, if a person is bringing a Korban, obviously a person brings Korban Khatar, Korban Olah, they can't walk into the area where the Kohanim are only allowed because you're only allowed to... Um, to stand in the area that's allowed for you. So if you're not a coin, you have to stand in the area of the Israel. So that they would have to do the smich. They would bring it to you on the northern side to do the smicha in that area. So even according to Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda, that that's not an area that's kasher for doing the shechitah of the korban because it has to actually be the mizbech or further in. Right, according to Rabbi Rabbi Shimon, also it has to be further in. So still, the smicha would have to be done in a place where you're allowed to stand. So if you're a Yisrael, you would do the smicha, and then they would take it over there to do the shechita. Now, according to Rabbi Yosef Glili, so they would uh, the person who brought an olah would say over it a vidui for la- failing to um, uh, to bring the the or to give these different kinds of tzedakah. Now, obviously, there's no requirement to bring a korban in that case. When a person brings a korban chatat, it's only because they're obligated. When a person brings a korban asham, they have to be obligated. You can't just decide that you want to bring a korban asham or a korban chatat. You need a requirement. But when it comes to korban ola, you can. It's always brought as nedava. It's always brought out of you, the goodness of your heart. There's, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that if a person failed to give a tzedakah, they have to bring a korban. There's no such thing. Right, it's just that he's doing it to sort of like a tikkun. He wants to he wants to make up for it, so he says a vidui over that. But it's not a real obligation to bring a korban in that case, right? Huh? Yes. Online. It's usually for mitzvat asay. It always says for mitzvat asay that a person failed to do. In other words, why did a, a person generally bring a korban ola? They brought it because they felt that they were lacking in avodat Hashem in some positive ways. Because if they did a sin, so then they would bring a korban for a sin that they did. If they feel that they were lacking in a positive way in certain positive mitzvot, they weren't careful about tefillin, they weren't careful about uh, careful about learning Torah. I don't know anything, whatever positive mitzvot. So they would, or they, you know, or machshavot. They says if they, the person felt that their mind, they weren't thinking the right things, they were their mind was in a bad place. So things that are not real sin that would require a korban, but he wants to do chizuk. It's like a matter of chizuk of, of himself in service of Hashem. That's the korban olah. So Rabbi Yosef Glili is saying he can, he can also say a vidui on these areas of giving tzedakah where the person fails. Rabbi Akiva said, Rabbi Akiva Omer, en olah ba'il al asay, val lot A person should only bring a korban olah if they have failed in doing a mitzvah asay or a mitzvah that is a lota sheshenitakla say is a, a lota say where a person fixes what they did wrong, like a person steals something and they return it, or a person uh, catches the mother bird with the young and then releases it. So that's called a um, an a lota sheshenitakla say that the person did a lota say that can be fixed by a positive thing. Um, so so the avera itself wasn't considered to be a full avera because it had a way to fix it. 
right? But let's say a person stole and they didn't return, or they did something where there's a uh, where there's where the, they didn't fulfill the positive side, so they didn't con- correct what they did wrong. So they should bring a korban olah, or if they fail to do certain mitzvot asay, they bring a korban olah. But for some reason, Rabbi Akiva is not recognizing what Rabbi Yosei is mentioning as examples of that, and we'll see why. In other words, Rabbi Yosei is giving examples that Rabbi Akiva is disagreeing with. The concept that you bring a korban olah for a failure in positive mitzvot, they agree. Why Rabbi Akiva is not endorsing Rabbi Yosei Aglili's examples, we'll see. Okay, but that, but this is a this is the idea. When you do smicha, you do smicha na olah also. Right, you, but and you would confess. Oh, I I didn't uh, uh, I didn't learn enough Torah. I I, I missed uh, days of tefillin. I didn't get you know whatever. Okay, so now it says What's the machlok between the two of them? Amar Rabbi Yirmiya. Rabbi Yirmiya says belav dinevela kamipalgi. So Rabbi Yirmiya's in, uh, suggestion first is that. It, the the machloket is about the prohibition of nevela. Why? Because Rabbi Akiva sevalav ma'aliyahu. According to Rabbi Akiva, that if a person eats nevela, that for sure is a lav. It's a lotase, and the person uh, and it's considered a hundred percent a lotase. But according to Rabbi Yosei Aglili, Rabbi Yosei Aglili sevalav lav. So he says lav lav ma'aliyahu. It's not really a uh, a full uh, love. Now, what's the reason? So we'll take a look at what Rashi explains. So according to Rabbi Akiva, it says vilokina love, right? That that if a person eats nevela, they get makot, right? If they go and they eat uh, nevela, they get makot. So it's a love. Vilav de leget shecha nami ased de Similarly, says Rabbi Akiva, if a person fails. To give leket shechau he doesn't leave the gleanings of the fields for uh, you know for the poor people to come. He also did a lotase. He committed a lotase. That's nothing. That's not a mitzvah to say that he failed to do. It's a lotase because it says you're not supposed to take it. Lotilaket, right? You're not supposed to take it, and he did. And it says and 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 when it says to leave it for the poor, that was the positive. In other words, what the Torah is telling you is leave it for the poor. Don't take it, right? But if you took it already, you can't say you can't fix it. You already took it, so you did an avera. That doesn't mean you can't now be nice and give it to them. But meaning you already did the sin. You did the sin. It's not a lava nitaklase according to this. But okay. There's no punishment for that. Well, it's a it's a you you violated the lotase. I guess he might say that there there could be makot for that. But if you were warned, Rabbi Yosei says love the nevela. Even though he agrees that when it tells you, what does it mean? The, what's the positive in nevela? Because it says, don't eat nevela. You should give it to a non-Jew. Okay? So it's saying, obviously that's not saying give him the part that you ate already. So it's not, it doesn't fix your avera. You can't eat the McDonald's and then say, oh, so let me give it to the non-Jew. It's not going to fix what you, you already ate it, right? So, but what it means is, even so, since it has a positive thing that you're supposed to do with the nevelah, it's not considered a love of the same sort as other lavim. Okay? It's not similar to love de chasima. We always say that a love that is the kind that you would get makot for is the kind that is a pure negative commandment like lav de chasima. They always exa- uh, compare it to the lota say that you're not allowed to muzzle an animal. Because right after mentioning makot, it says lota chsom shobedisho, you shouldn't muzzle an animal. They're connected to each other. So therefore, the, they always say that's the prototype example of a lota say. If there's any positive associated with it, then it would not be a lota say in the normal way. So therefore, Rabbi Yosei Aglili says, since really this is not a typical lota say, so you could say that a person 
Nisim could bring a um, uh, Korban Olai. He says, that he says that you wouldn't get makot for the, um, according to Rabbi Yirmiya's interpretation, Rabbi Yossi Aglili is saying something very radical, because he's saying that if you ate nevela, you wouldn't get makot, because it's associated with something positive, which is to give it to a non-Jew. And he's also saying that if a person didn't give the leket shechau that they wouldn't get makot, because it's associated with something positive. Even if you say that the positive action doesn't correct the sin that was already done, because there's a positive action involved, it's not considered a full lie. Okay, and Rabbi Akiva is saying it is considered a full love, so therefore there's no Korban Ola over here because a Korban Ola is only when it's not a full love involved. But this is a full love involved over here. That's how Rabbi Yirmiya interprets the Machloket, but Abaye is not going to accept that, and Abaye's logic seems to be easier to take because according to, Rabbi Yossi, according to this, Rabbi Yossi Aglili would have to be saying that there's no Makot for Nevelah, which is very strange that to say that you wouldn't get Makot for Nevelah when throughout Shas we always talk about, uh, uh, about people getting Makot for, for that kind of thing. So what does Abaye say? Abaye says, Really, the love the nevelah is love malia. It's really definitely a love. Okay, what's the big machloka between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yosegli? What is the status of the mitzvah of leaving the food for the for or leaving the produce for the poor? According to Rabbi Akiva, leaving it is meikaramashma. That's what you're supposed to do. But if you failed to do that and you kept it, so you did a lotasef. According to Rabbi Yosegli, it's fixing what you did. It's hashtamashma, meaning go fix it. So since you could always fix it. So you never really did a love, you, right? You, so therefore, that's something. It's called love. It's a, a negative commitment that can be fixed afterwards. Since you can fix it afterwards, so therefore, it's more of a failure in a positive than it is a negative because you always could have gone back and fixed it with the positive. So therefore, if you didn't do that, you would bring a korban olah. According to Rabbi Akiva, you're supposed to leave it for them. Once you already took it for yourself, you're a bad guy. You should go do something to fix that. But you, didn't, you can't fix the sin that you did. It's a lotase. It's, it's, it's a lotase. You can't bring a korban olah for a lotase. So that's it. You just have to live with the thing that you did wrong and hopefully make it up in another way, way give to Dakar or something like that. But it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't correct the sin. So according to, Rabbi, uh, so according to Abaye's reading of their machloket, so what, what comes out is that the machloket is about the nature of the mitzvah when it says, that you should leave the produce in the field for the poor. Is that telling you what you should have done? Or is it telling you what to do to fix it if you didn't do that? Right? According to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, it's telling you that if you didn't leave it, go back and put it. According to Rabbi, so therefore it's always could be fixed. So it's not a complete love. According to Rabbi Akiva, once you took the payoff for yourself, you already did the sin. What you do now is being a nice guy, but you did the sin already. It doesn't undo the Avera that you did. And so since you committed a lotase, you can't now bring a Koban Ola for that because Koban Ola doesn't cover a lotase. No, because it's not a karet. Khatat is only for karet. So you wouldn't bring a khatat, but if you were warned not to cut the payan, you did it. According to Rabbi Akiva, you would get a makot. Right? According to Rabbi Yosaglili, no, because you can always go put it back afterwards. So it's lavanitak lase. So it, there's an assay to fix it. So you wouldn't get makot, according to Rabbi Yosaglili. According to Rabbi Akiva, you would. But not everything that has makot gives you karet, gives you uh, khatat. Khatat is only for things that have karet. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the rule. And Hashem? Asham is other sins altogether. Things having have very specific. There's only a certain number of ashamot. Very few. Where does it say tazov lager? No, it says titnena. Titnena? Yeah, it says titnena v'cha'o macholenochri. You could sell or you could give. 
Yeah, the Gemara talked about it in Masech Psachim. Some say that you should give it to the Ger Toshav, meaning a Ben Noach, or you should sell it to the person who is, uh, you know, who is a non-Jew, who is a Oved you could sell it to them. Yep. But you should help a person who is a Ben Noach. Now, Tanu Rabbanan, Ketzad Mitvadeh, how should you do the Vidui? Aviti, Bashati, Vechatati. Now, that's what we saw in the Mishnah, that's Rabbi Meir's opinion. Sir, first say, Aviti, Aviti is Bizadon, things you did on purpose. Bashati, rebellion. Chatati, I made a mistake. Bechem, Bessir, Mishnah, Leach, Omer, Vetvada, Alav, Et Kol Avonot, Ne Yisrael, Et Kol Pishayim, Nuchol Chatotam. What does it say? It says, first Avonot, then Pishayim, then Chataim. That's the order. Right, so Rabbi Meir is looking at the Torah. What does it say in the Torah? So, so Rabbi Meir has a lot of good sources. Right? We always have Avonot, Pesha'im, Chata'im. Devi Rabbi Meir. V'chachamim omrim no. Avonot, Eloah Zidonot. Avonot means things you do on purpose. V'chino Omer. And that's what it says. Hikaret, tikaret, anevisha. Hei, avonaba. That's why it says, the soul should be cut off. It's avon is in it. Because avon means it did something on purpose that it would get karet for. Pesha'im, Eloah Meradim. Pesha'im means, Pesha means rebellion. V'chino Omer, Melech Moav Pashabi. Like it says, the king of Moav rebelled against me. V'omer, az tifsha, livna baitahi. It also says that livna... Uh, rebelled at that time. So this is talking about rebellion. It's talking about political rebellion in both those cases, but what? A place. It's talking about a, uh, it's talking about a, uh, 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 you know, different uh, uh, polities, political rebellion. But it's, but when it's used with Hashem, it means rebelling against Hashem. Yeah. Okay? Right. Like Lahachis. Exactly. Now, uh, and then it says, um, Lechol chatotam elu ashkagot. Chatat, we know it means shkaga. Bayaksa v'chinu omer nevesh kita chetab bishkaga. Like it always says, if a soul sins bishkaga by accident, okay. So, in, so the rabbis are now say so they're going to ignore how it appears in the pasuk. They're just explaining the words. They said, wait a sec. Now everybody agrees on the explanation of the words. Nobody's disagreeing with what it means. Right? It's just a question of how you should express it in the vidui. So Rabbi Meir's like in the Pasuk, it's always in the order, Avonot, Pishayim, Chataim, so that's what it should be. According to the Chachamim, even though that's true that that's what it says in the Pasuk, we're not going to do that. We're going to say that first, it should be Chataim first. Why? What, the guy's first going to start with the worst things and then go to the light things? That's not how you do it. You build up. Right? You know, that's what we say. Chatati is I made mistakes. Aviti, I did things on purpose. And even, Pashati, I even rebelled. I and my family. What does David Amelech say? We erred. Erring means you have the right intention, but you did the wrong thing. Right? Uh, whereas Avinu is like Avonot, meaning I had the wrong intention. I had a bad intention. And Hirshanu, it's saying is like Pashanu. We, we rebelled. Okay, and similarly with Shlomo, and what is the correct pasuk that here it seems to be cut up? Um, it's, uh, uh, where is it? Oh, it's Chet. So it says, oh, it says, Chatanu, Hevinu, Rashanu. Again, but Rashanu is Pashanu, right? That's what it should say. Um, so then why in the case of Moshe Rabbeinu does it say differently? It says first Avon and then Pesha and then Chata'a. So it seems to support Rabbi Meir. Moshe said to Hashem, Master of the world, when the Jewish people sin before you and they do Teshuvah, then Aselahim Zidonot Kishkagot. You should make their willful sins into accidental. Okay? Right. So therefore, it's saying that uh, that's why it mentions Avon and then Chata'a. So uh, as opposed to 
um, uh, you know, uh, so we, the question, of course, is why the Torah in other places, you know, always seems to go in the order of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir is the one who's sticking the most to the what the Torah Shebichtal says, right? And then, so don't be enticed by Rabbi Meir's fact that he brings all these sukim because the fact we go like the Chachamim. Okay? Now, Pshita, that should be obviously, generally we say that if you have Yachid Varabim, Rabim, we always go like the majority. Because, uh, like here we have Sukim, even of Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And they say that the word Moshe could be cut out of the text, it doesn't belong, but Kamash Malan, right? So it's coming to tell you that even though he has strong Sukim to support his position, Right, and you would think what it says in the Torah, like Rabbi Meir, how could we not like Rabbi Meir? Uh, no. A certain Chazan went in front of Rabbi Meir on Yom Kippur. He hired a Chazan. You know, you never know what you're going to get with these Chazanim. You hire them from the outside. You know, <laughs> he gets up and he starts reading and he says like Rabbi Meir. You're ignoring the the Chachamim and and you're going with Rabbi Meir. How could you do that? This Chazan has his own mind. You know, he has his own halachic opinion. He says, I hold like Rabbi Meir. Why? Because in the Torah of Moshe, that's what it says. Says like Rabbi Meir, I hold like him. So you have have two when you have two rabbis, one is the Chazan, one is the rabbi. It's hard. They each have their own opinion. They argue with each other. Some rabbi says this. Rabbi. Some chazanim think they're rabbis. Most of them, they they may or may not be. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Or they get it, so they could say that they are. We don't know. You know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was Yeah, it sounds like it almost because he says he mentions the Moshe Rabbi. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's a there's a you know there's a story about this chazan. You know, there's a funny story about you know they bring this chazan. He's a singer, you know, to the rabbi, and he wants to hire him. He wants to try out, and you know, the chazan has an earring, and this, you know, he's like one of these, you know, these guys. And and the, the rabbi said, "No," he said, "But you he didn't hear. You he didn't hear me sing it." He says, "But it says in the pasuk, ki kolech nave, ki kolech nave." He says, "I saw marech, right? The, the your appearance, right? Appearance, not good. So I don't have to hear the voice. It has to be the appearance." Anyway, here you see. That, uh, that, you know, he had an opinion like, but still the halacha follows the chachamim. So I re- when I was in yeshiva, I remember I, I heard a nice explanation of this. What's the machloka between Rabbi Meir and chachamim? And a nice explanation, it stuck with me like over many, many years. I always remembered this. That what, what's the reasoning behind the two? It says, it depends what you're looking at. If you're looking at from the perspective of the person, the chachamim are saying from the perspective of the person, you build up in your vidu. You start with the lightest thing. You start, you go to the harsher thing. You go to the worst thing. When you're building up about your confession, you build up slowly. You know, but when a, when you're looking at it from the perspective of Hashem's chesed, the biggest chesed is no se avon vafesha, right? That has, if you're looking at it from Hashem as the mechaper that He's giving kapara, the bigger one is to say that Hashem, so when you so when Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Hashem, you're no se avon vafesha. Right, that you're the one that uh, you know is praising Hashem's greatness, that he he will forgive even the uh, the willful things. That's a bigger sh- the praise of Hashem. When you look at the vidui as praising Hashem, as is, is, is uh, you know midat So there you you start with the bigger thing. 
right? And and that he that he forgives the small things. That's that's easy, right? That he forgives the big things is a is a bigger praise. But when you're talking about from the person's perspective, you start with the things that you can most easily admit. Oh, I made a mistake here. I made a mistake here, and that's harder to admit the things you did on purpose because we always want to deny. No, I didn't really mean that. I I had good intention. I did. You have to be more honest. It's harder. Even with Moshe Rabbeinu, he comes and gives such a great thing that Hashem mochelon avonot. Now it's oh, by the way, you also let the little things. Yeah, that's true. But no, but that, well, that's the drasha. No, but that's what he's saying. That's the drasha. That's the rabbis are coming with the drasha, saying Hashem makes the zidonot like shkagot. That, in other words, he, that, that's, it fits with this idea that uh-huh. according to the Chachamim, when you're praising Hashem and saying, Hashem, you're so great, you forgive the great things and the small things. You're saying you forgive the great things, you make them like a small thing. You know, it, it makes sense. Not necessarily. He's saying, but on Yom, right? It's meaning during the the question would be, would would Rebbe Meir say that also about an individual who's doing teshuvah for a personal sin that he also should do it in that order, or this is only because it's Yom Kippur and we're it's a it's a good question. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Now, Tanu Abanat v'chiper. It says v'chiper. Now, this is talking about the when they bring the um, the parachatat. Uh, they first bring the uh, bull for the for the Kohen Gadol to do his uh, vidui. We said before. So it's talking about kaparat It's talking about the vidui. Because if you look at the pasuk, it says vikriva onet parachatat shelo vechiper badov ad beto. It says they bring him the parachatat and he atones for his family vishalchatet parachatat lo ashelo and then he slaughters it. What do you mean? What what what, what, what what's the kapara then? He, he, the kapara came before the slaughtering of the korban. That doesn't make sense. Saying that's kaparat varim. That's talking about the words that he says. Oh, you damim. Maybe you'll say right. Atau mer kaparat varim. Oh, kaparat damim. How do you know? Maybe the kapara only happens once the blood is thrown. Anidan. I'll, I'll give you a logic. Nemarkan kapav nemalalan kapara. It says here the word kapara. And it says later kapara. Ma kapara hamura b'seir. When it's talking about the seir. The Sira Mishtaleach. It's talking about the uh, the uh, goat that is sent out. So over there, that's talking about what Kaparat Vari, right? Because you don't do any shechita of the Sira Mishtaleach, and you don't throw the blood of the Sira Mishtaleach. So obviously, there's no Kaparat Damim. Af Kaparat Moab Bepar. So 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 too is it with the power with the with the bow. Vari. It's talking about words, right? Yeah, vidui. Vim nafshachalomar harayomer vikbivawan eparchatat shelo vchiberbadovad beito vaday lo neshchad apar. And if you don't like that, meaning if you don't like the the argument from the sair hamishdalech, because it says by the sair that he also is vchiper, right? And what is it talking about there? Obviously, it's talking about only the vidui because the only uh, offering they does is the vidui. So to hear is the vidui. It says maybe you won't like that answer. So I'll show you that in the pasuk itself it says that he gets kapara and then he slaughters the korban. So my, why do you need both? But my vim Why wouldn't a person like the analogy to the case of Sirah Mishdaleach? Very simple reason because you could say you shouldn't compare it to the Seirah Mishdaleach because the Seirah Mishdaleach doesn't have any uh, isn't really a korban right it gets chased away it's not really a korban right so therefore you can't really learn from there you should compare it to the case of the Seir that's done in the Beit HaMikdash it's not a korban it's not, it's not a korban otherwise you're worshipping Azazel what do you mean no it's, it's, it's not a korban it's a destroyed yeah, it's not considered a korban Right, it's a, it's a kapara, but not a korban, right? So since the since it's like uh, similar to the paraduma, slaughtered outside, you know, it's not considered a korban, even though it's called a chatat. It's not a korban because it's not offered in the bet Yeah, not a sacrifice, right? So in the case of 
the um, in the case of the seir that's done inside, so there you do have uh, a blood service. So maybe you should compare it to there and say the blood service is the only type of kapara. So it says no. That's why you need the pasuk that shows you. It says that he's mechaper and then he slaughters it. Shows you that what that the kapara is only the words. In other words, the the, kapara, the first kapara that it mentioned is a kapara vidui. So let's do a little bit further. How do you know they say the word? Anna, because it says Anna, right, in the beginning of the Vidui. That was the language of the Vidui that we saw before. He says, Anna Hashem, Kaper Nala Avonot, right, etc. So what do you, where do you get the Anna from? So it says, Nemar kan lahalan It says regarding, and probably the word lahalan is wrong, right? But it says, yeah, it, does, it shouldn't be there. Now, in, in the case, here it says, Anna, and it says by Chorev, by the, by, by Sinai, our Sinai, after the, uh, Egla Zahav, it says Anna, when Moshe Rabbeinu was asking for Kapara for the, uh, for the Egla Zahav, right? So it says, Malehalan. So, so, in other words, just like over there, there's kapara for Egel Azav and there's kapara here, and it uses the word Ana, please, Hashem. Right? Ana, chata ha'am, chata gdola. He says Ana, even when he's doing a vidui, even though he's not asking for anything yet. He says Ana, please, chata ha'am azeh chata gdola. Asulam Eloi Zahav. That's the vidui of Moshe Rabbeinu. Right? So, the vidui has the word Ana, so, so do we do other word Ana. Right? Ominayin Shebashem, how do you know what? There it's not Shogeg, true. Well, I guess he was trying to, he was trying to, to, to make it sound better. He was being a good lawyer. Ominayin Shebashem, how do you know it's with the name of Hashem? Because it says where they decapitate the cow when there is an unsolved murder between two cities and they use the name of Hashem because it says, uh, it says there, um, the Pasuk, uh, uh, Hashem, right? It says Hashem specifically. So Afkan Bashem, use the name Hashem here also. So we, ne- we, in, we combine the two. We combine the source of Eglarufa to get that it should have the name of Hashem for a vidui. And and we also see that we use the word Anna for a vidui. Now, Amar Abayi Bishamachorei. What does it have to do with it being Rechamim as opposed to Din Hashem? That might be why they choose that particular name, but just in terms of using the name of Hashem at all. Because the thing is, why are you confessing? Why do you have to say Hashem's name? You're, you're talking about your own sins. You should just say uh, Hashem, you say Chatati Yavidi Bashati. Why, why do you have to say Anna Hashem? It's weird because you're, you're not asking for anything yet. You didn't say anything yet. Right? So, so it says, uh, If we understand why what happened at Har Sinai wouldn't be based upon what happens later in Eglar Ufa because it wasn't revealed yet. Right? But, Why is there no Anna word by the Eglar Ufa? And if you'll say that there is one, Vatanan, we learned Right? So they didn't take Anna, Kash, and they leave that as a Kash. In other words, it's difficulty. Why in the Eglar Ufa is there no Anna? We see the word Anna in, in Har Sinai. So he didn't mention, he didn't say Anna Hashem, Chata Ha'am, Chata Gdola. He didn't say that, right? So that, we, we wouldn't derive from Eglar Ufa to what Moshe Rabbeinu should do because there was no mitzvah of Eglar Ufa until the book of Dvarim was later. So he didn't have that yet so to learn from it. But why in the Eglar Ufa do we not learn from Moshe Rabbeinu that it should say Anna, Kaper La'amachai Yisrael? Why, why don't we put the word Anna also by the Eglar Ufa? It's difficult. We don't know the answer, but we don't. Now, uh, and they say, So, Tanya, the Rebbe Omer, The Pasuk says in Hazinu, I call out in the name of Hashem, 
give render greatness to our God. Whenever I say Hashem's name, you should give praise to God. In other words, since the since Kohen Gadol says the name Yudke Vavke, he says the 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 special name of Hashem. So therefore, they have to praise it and say the Baruch Hashem. And it says Chananya ben Achir Rabbi Yoshomer. Chananya, the nephew of Rabbi Yoshua, said. Uh, the mention of a tzaddik should be for a blessing. The Navi means when I mention the truest tzaddik, meaning Hashem, the tzaddik of the world, right? you should give a blessing and acknowledgement to Hashem. So the idea is that hearing the name of Hashem, you can't not respond. That's the idea. Meaning, when you hear the name of Hashem, you have to, uh, you have to say something. You have to acknowledge. You have to show some like kavod. Right. So th- this is actually one of the sources that they, that they bring. The Rosh brings from Baruch Hu Shemo. Now that's that's based just on one one Rishon. Right? That's based, the, the Rosh the Rosh brings. Yeah, he doesn't like the Rosh brings it. The idea of Baruch Hu Shemo. And, uh, and, you know, it says, based upon this, and, 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 and of course, a lot of people argued. They said, why, first of all, you're going to interrupt, and, and there's other problems, and, and, and why, when you read the Torah, you don't say, Baruch Hu Shemo, every time they read, Hashem and Moshe Lemon, you So, you know, if, so there's a lot of arguments against it. There's a lot of arguments against it, but this is the source that they, that it's brought from. I mean, it's, it's, it's one, one Rishon that brought the idea of saying, Baruch Hu and it caught on and became very popular, very popular practice. But um, but it's based upon this idea. Who's it?